When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time for the new Dan Vogler 4D Experience Podcast. Are you ready? Buckle in. Let's go for a ride. It's the 4D Experience Walking Dead Finale Extravaganza. Everyone sing with me. It's the damn Vogler 4D Experience. Okay, wait, let's, let's all try to get together. You ready? It's the damn Vogler 4D Experience Walking Dead Finale Extravaganza. Uh, we're going to have to work on that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, here we are. Spoilers, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's not start there. Let's let's talk about love and joy that I have for Walking Dead, for the comic book, which um, I really loved quite a bit. Somehow in the comic book, all the things that were like over the top or jump the shark in the show... Worked fine in the comic book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. That that book was written like you were watching the show. You know, all the dialogue. There was so much dialogue, but still, you can have one zombie attack in the in the comic, and you'd be like, "Yeah, how awesome!" So many characters. How can you juggle that many characters? They did it. It's uh, incredible ensemble. Should be applauded that they lasted uh, for, what is it, 11 seasons. It's beautiful. So I've loved working on the show, made a lot of great friends. had a lot of moments on the show that I loved being a part of. Big zombie attacks and lovely scenes. And as time grew on, you know, as time went on, you know, they, they bring you back, and it's such a huge en- ensemble. It's so, it's, it's gigantic. So, you, so as they bring you back, and, and you've established yourself, every time they bring you back, they just give you less and less lines because <laughs> basically you come on screen, and they're like, oh, that's that person. They don't need to speak so much. They, they don't need any exposition. They're, everyone knows their deal, and they, and, and they don't get to say much. So as time was going on, that's what was happening. And... I got busy, obviously, and went on to Fantastic Beast things, and and I was, and you know, a lot of great things were happening. The offer. So, let's let's fast forward to to then. I'm on the offer, and I'm noticing that it's getting to 
the end, you know, the, the end of the series, and I'm like, I wonder if they're going to call me back. And, and it just so happens, call me back to The Walking Dead, and it just so happens that the offer was finishing shooting in a perfect window for me to go back and, you know, do a couple more episodes. And I was like, man, I would love to do the last few episodes of The Walking Dead. Oh, my God, how iconic, you know? And I, I reached out. I reached out to them. So there's a parallel universe where I was like, maybe I'll let them reach out to me. And, um, and then I don't know what would have happened to Luke. Luke would have been, they would have written him off on Oceanside. Oh, he got killed with everybody at Oceanside? Or maybe he got away. Maybe he would be able to pop up somewhere later in some spinoff or something, right? So if I kept my mouth shut, <laughs> there's a possibility I wouldn't have been on those episodes at all. Or even mentioned. You know? <laughs> yeah! uh, so I reach out because I'm a sucker for, you know, ending a journey. I was like, man, I'm available. I'd love to be part of it. Let's see what happened to Luke, you know? And I know from the comic book, there's a big push uh, from all, like a migration from all of the different places like Oceanside, all the different, you know. And I was like, okay, uh, let, let, me, let me jump on board because I was like imagining some big battles that would happen there and, and because that was what was in the comic book. So suddenly I'm, I'm on set with Jules. Hey, that's awesome. Got, got Jules a gig. It's like, okay, we, we, spoilers, we survived Oceanside and we run into our old crew, which is wonderful. All right, Ross and, and Cooper and Cassidy got to meet OK, who's better than OK. He's awesome. <laughs> and uh, love, like, the people are priceless. I will, I'm pretty sure I'll be friends with a lot of these people for the rest of my life. So I'm staying over at Cooper's, you know. So we're all hanging out, you know. It's like it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole lovely family when I go out there. Now... We get the, that third episode happens, right? Or, or the third, I'm sorry, the third to last episode happens. We do that. The next episode happens, which um, was this, this past weekend where um, Jules and I get swept up in the horde and uh, Lydia gets her arm chopped off, okay? So where's... <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen to me and Jules, you know? And the way I guess it works is that everybody on the inner circle gets the script, you know, the, the, the script ahead of time. So can you imagine everybody I'm hanging out with uh, knowing, and I'm not, obviously I'm not in the inner circle because I'm a guest star or whatever. So I didn't get that script early. So everybody I'm hanging out with knows I'm knows I'm dying before I do. And I'm just like, hey, hi. Um, so uh, now this is how I basically found out um, that I that they were killing me off because <laughs> there was no discussion. Um, I really wish there was. I really wish there was a discussion because it, it would have given me time to digest it and really own it. But to have it presented in the way it was presented was 
I got to admit, it was it was pretty ruthless, uh, and not in a good way. So I I came to set because we had a rehearsal. We had to rehearse this big scene, and it's kind of cool. It's like uh, I love that moment where where Jules and I. It's like platoon, and we come running out of the running out of the crowd. Oh, we're still alive. Um, which is which is cool. And we meet up with the group. No lines, nothing. Just and then we're all together. And then we're we're I'm there to rehearse that day where we come running out of the the horde, and everyone gathers together. I'm there to rehearse, but everyone's gotten the script except for me and, and Jules. So come on set. And you know right away actors are just like oh, oh wait are you in this scene? Are you not dead yet? Oh, wait, let me think. So that's like, you're right away. You're just like, wait, wait, what? And then I guess this is like a running joke with the producers. They come up and they're just all, uh, and, and everyone was masked up. So I couldn't tell who was who. So this, I, I, I don't even know which producer it was that came up to me, but I know that they were surrounded by other producers that I recognized. So this person comes up to me and says, <laughs> we bring you all, we bring you back all this way just to kill you, huh? And I go, I go, yeah. And that's how I basically found out on set. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. And what, I mean, what was I supposed to laugh at that? <laughs> I don't know. Was that a joke? Brought you back. We brought you back all this way just to kill you. <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah. Yeah, got to rant about that. Got to rant about that. That was not handled very well. So, Fogler went into action, started calling people. Hey, would have been nice to get a freaking heads up when I called you and said, hey, can I come back? That you guys were planning this, you know? If it wasn't me, it was going to be someone else that got killed. Okay, so, as I'm reading it, I'm just like, wow, there's no lines. He just... He's, they're just done. They're dead. She gets sucked into the horde. I and I get bitten on the leg, and so I so I had to take some kind of control here. And I was just like, "You're not taking my right leg. You're not biting my right leg." And already they're just like, "Well, Greg wants the right leg," and I'm just like, "No, no, that's my magic foot. It has brought me quite a bit of luck. Won me a Tony Award. You're not taking my right leg." Luckily, Greg thought that was hilarious. And said, okay, we'll take your left leg. So they take my left leg off, which is awesome. I always wanted to have a death like that. So here, so here's the thing. It's always shades of like, wow, that was shitty, with wow, that was fucking amazing. And that's why I keep I kept coming back to this fucking show for more. Like a like a, a glutton for punishment. I kept on coming because they weren't, you know, they don't pay you correctly. Um, I was coming back to the show because fuck, man, it had a lot of elements that I loved. I loved the people. I loved the comic book. I loved riding those horses. It became like a Zen thing. Loved learning how to shoot arrows, you know, loved smashing those zombie heads. A lot I love about it, but boy, was that a kind of a, a punch in the gut to learn like that. Um, so that I was dying like that. So then after talking to Greg and kind of molding that part i was like man see this is the beautiful thing because greg's a creative genius they saw how like irritated i was by the by the whole 
delivery method of learning how I died. They were like, yeah, let's, let's hear Dan out here. So I said, um, you don't have him saying anything. You just have him just basically dying. And does he die from the leg wound or like, what is he dying from? Like people have survived from having their limbs cut off and they really didn't have an answer for me. And so I said, what if he dies because his heart is broken? What if he dies because he just shuts off? That happens to people. He just saw the love of his life gets consumed in front of his eyes. And now there's a chance that he's able to go with her and be with her. And he takes it. He gives up. And that's a thing that happens. Lovebirds, when one dies, the other one dies soon after. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I haven't seen anybody die on this show like that. I haven't seen anybody die of a broken heart. And they were like, Greg was like, I love that. And I was like, you got to have me saying, like, I'll be whispering jewels or something. You know, there's, I'm sure they, what I saw, we'll see what ends up in the show, but what I saw during ADR was, it looked like a really lovely bit. Now I'm getting misty because that was a beautiful death scene, man. I kind of joke because I was like, I've never really gotten, I don't, I've never gotten full-blown COVID anything. And... I was like, if I was ever going to get it, it was going to be in that nasty ass <laughs> old ass hospital on that rusty ass gurney with with these four gorgeous women snotting and crying all over me. Man, what? Let me tell you something. That scene, they brought it, man. They fucking brought it like yeah i know i was acting like i was dying pretty good but fuck these ladies they all deserve emmy awards i love every single one of those ladies okay eleanor is just a gem beautiful what a wonderful person what a hysterical person what a beautiful soul she has been an absolute joy to work with lauren oh my god like an angel on earth um, <laughs> you know, um, and just like, what a great sense of humor taught me so much about, uh, ASL and we'll never forget my experiences working with her. I hope I get to work with all these ladies again. Angel, what an angel. I mean, they're all angels. Fucking angel. What a joy. We had so many laughs. We were just instantly a family. I started, you know. It was not hard to look like, oh, this crew has been together, you know, for a while. And Nadia, Nadia was like, became like a, a buddy right away. And and uh, I will cherish my relationships with them um, forever. And I hope, like I said, I hope they get to work with all these people. And I'm going to, and I want to present and create all sorts of new projects that I can reach out and put these people in. And because I just simply love working with them. As I've said over and over and over and over and over again, that scene was a real gift. That scene is why you, you do these things, man. I always wanted a cool death. Work with Giovanni Rubisi on the offer and his death in Saving Private Ryan is the most memorable. The doctor diagnosing his own death in real time. 
reduced to a little boy calling for his mama. Holy shit. The show's like a Western, you know? It's like, like that's a Civil War wound, you know? Like, like a guy dies from having his leg chopped up. Well, we had nothing else for you, Jimmy. <laughs> You're bleeding out and we only have enough rum for the rest of the platoon. You know, it's just like, Jesus. Okay, just tell my mom I love her. <laughs> and tell Susie Ann I, I would have married her, you know? <laughs> A great, <laughs> a great death is an actor's dream. But you have to, if we're, in order for a great death to work, you have to have a great mourner. You have to have great mourners surrounding you when you die. Um, and for that scene to work, you know, and oh man, those ladies, they, I can't wait to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. I lived it and I died it. <laughs> yeah. That was the saga of Luke's death. He died of a broken heart. He gave up. He didn't want to live in this nightmare anymore, which is so fucking sad. But God damn, that, that music teacher lasted a long-ass time, people. Yeah, he had a lot of luck on his side. You know, he was... It was kind of like since he dies in the comic book, Luke, the character Luke, is like destined to die in the video game. He's, Luke is destined to die. Um... And so I started to, once we were getting close to shooting and I really started to own it, I was like, yeah, this is, um, this is going to be beautiful. This is going to be a beautiful moment. And I hope the audience appreciates it. What a fucking honor. Not a lot of, who dies? Who dies on screen, man? Me and Jules, man. Like who, who else dies in that finale? I gotta, I, I know, I know Rosita gets bitten. Um... Yeah, so what a huge honor um, not to survive. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to pop up in a sequel somewhere, but the original show, man, that's where, for me, that's, you know, that's really where it all started, obviously, and it's just really special to be part of it. Um, so, to The Walking Dead, I say... I say thank you. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the friendships. Thank you for the moments. But another amazing gem of a, of a man that I met on the show. It's like, they like, listen, you can say whatever you want about, you know, how they, run the, how they run the show. They know how to pick them. All the people are super cool. You know, Michael James Shaw is extremely cool. And um, he plays Mercer, and that's why we had him on the show. He's a buddy, and he's a great actor, and here he is. Michael James Shaw. What up? What up Michael James Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Michael James Shaw. <laughs> In the flesh. How you doing? I, I'm well. I'm, great. I'm well. Um, yeah, really, actually enjoying my time out in LA for the first time in many, many years. Well, welcome to the 40 Experience Podcast, man. You, there's the. Um, oh, I'm sorry to say that I'm. 
Oh, we're recording, by the way. Are you cool with that? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> we're just we like to just jump right into it. Uh, so, uh, so you, we I, there's a um, what is it like a finale party coming up in LA? I'm gonna miss it. Uh, I'm, I'm sad to say, but are you excited for that? Yeah, um, I was hoping you'd be there, man. But yeah, um, we because we started during COVID, like the, in the midst of it. We never had a moment to like celebrate the show like in the the, the true the true Hollywood way. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's it's a good moment for us to clean up and like share in the joy of, of the work we did and um, the legacy that we touched. You know? Yeah. Were you? Uh, how, how you doing, by the way? You feel you you good, man? Like uh, last time I saw you, I was in LA and. Uh, it was for like just a second. Like I, I hung out with you at cons, and you're super cool, man. And, and I'm a fan of the comic book. Were you a fan of the Walking Dead comic book? I'm a fan now. I mean, I I, I didn't know there was a comic book until uh, I had my conversation with uh, the casting director. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what character I was auditioning for when I auditioned or dummy sides. Uh, yeah, if I would have known, I probably would have been a little more like nervous about it, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't latch onto the comics till later. Uh, it started with research, you know. What do you think? Because I was a fan of the comic book. I, you you uh, have comics too. You, yeah, you read yeah, comics. Oh yeah, well. yeah, yes, yes. I have my own comics. Yes, absolutely. Did I give those to you? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Check out Fishkill because who knows what we're gonna do with that, but. There might be some fun parts in there for you. Oh, yeah. But funny thing is, I, I did grow up, like, reading comics. I, I was more, uh, I was definitely an image uh, comics fan. Like, I loved all, all the work Michael Turner did, Witchblade, Fathom, yeah. um, Mark Silvestri. But, uh, yeah, Walking Dead wasn't on my radar um, until I mm. auditioned, yeah. This I used to want to be like a penciler. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Really? Do you do you draw? Like, how how are your skills? Oh, as a as a kid, I, I created like some of my own books. Like, um, yeah, that was that was kind of my first love as as an artist, uh, drawing. Man, yeah, I was kind of a solo kid, oh. so I'd be in my room. Like, I wanted I, at the time I wanted to be an animator. Then I got cool and switched to a penciler because I fell in love with Michael Turner's work. And uh, yeah, that led to portrayed characters or comic book characters on screen. I, I've kind of had a, a little niche for that. Have you been working on anything recently? Any books recently drawing them or writing or both? I haven't. I haven't, I haven't drawn in a while. I picked up uh, a new tool. I've been using uh, Procreate, but it's been less like yeah. comic book stuff and more abstract art. Just the, the, the exercise where you, you, you never let the pen leave the page. Um, oh, so yeah. I kind of play with that and see, see what I come up with, but it's mainly just for fun. There's no uh, end game for it or any, um, result that I'm looking for. It, it just gets my mind going because it was the first thing that kind of like kicked me off as a, as an, as an artist. Yeah. I used to paint and do pastels. I haven't had the time lately. I got to get back into it. Actually, it's, it's nice to work with your hands, right? Yeah. I used to do the same thing, man. Like my brother used to write. And I used to draw comic books with him, and we made our own little things. My 
drawing skill never progressed, but I, I just went to writing. But, but yeah, like, uh, like I, I, I recently got back into sculpting. My, my wife was like, make me a sculpture oh, yeah. for, my, for my birthday. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I find that, um, I find like a lot of actors, they also do something else, some other right, right-brained hobby as well. That's cool, man. You oh yeah. Send me your stuff. I, I'd love to see your art. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, it's been, been between the visual art and then music is my other passion, man. You know, I I did not know that you were in spelling bee because I I studied yeah. musical theater in undergrad, and that was really? like my forte for many many years, and then yeah, somehow I ended up on TV. But yeah. I'm I'm the black Hugh Jackman. I tap, you know. <laughs> I do it all. Really? Yes, sir. Well, that's amazing, man. Yeah, that's where I got my start is doing theater, music. In the theater. theater. Oh. In the fast <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Are you planning on going back to the theater anytime soon? You know, I, I've been, like, coming up with some ideas. Like, I would love... Okay, the, the last thing I did was this uh, a rock and roll musical based on the story of Joan, Joan of Arc that was down at the public, Joan of Arc Into the Fire. It was cool because I got to workshop it. You know, uh, we, we did yeah. like uh, three or four workshops, like some, some readings and like an actual like fully like realized studio kind of production and was working closely. David Byrne wrote the music, and Alex Timbers directed it, and Chris Kukul, music director, like Williamstown folk I, I had met prior, and we, we rocked it out. We had a great time at the public. It was great to be back on stage and, like, you know, having a live audience. It's something very different, man. It's like night and day, you know. And you kind of do have a live audience on set. You know, the crew is definitely, like, vibing with you and, like, feeling your energy and responding in their own way. But... Yeah, you know, it's like a house full of, like, theater goers yeah. who are there to, like, be changed. They, they're, they're coming willingly to be changed, you know. You, you know, they're going to meet you at the door, you know. It's a different feeling, and I love it. I love it. I, yeah, I would love to, like, I'd love to do a play. Like, I, I did a reading of um, True West oh, maybe yeah, a couple yeah. years ago, and I, I got to play Austin, man. Like, I, never in my life – Knowing what type they, people see me as, I never thought I would get to play Austin. I got to play uh, Austin next to Chad Coleman's Lee, and we had a blast, man. Uh, that's a really, really special play, and I had a great time working. I did a, the reading with ATAF, Arts in the Armed Forces. I don't know if you heard of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They're pretty cool, man. I, I've done some some events with them, and uh, it's, it's really really awesome what they do. They 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 take a group of actors to a, a military base either uh, in the states or abroad. Uh, last year or well, two years ago, I always like blackout COVID, like it didn't exist. Like 2020 was like a leap year, <laughs> but a few years back, yeah. we all went to Djibouti. To we went to Djibouti, the Horn of Africa, and uh, performed Lobby Hero for all of our soldiers who were stationed at that base and had discussions about the play and, and got to know their jobs and what they what they do. And so it's a really enriching experience, you know. Yeah, uh, there's some gr- really great work over there at ATAF. Were you in the military or, or are you just doing it for uh, the country? <laughs> I'm doing it for, the, for my country. Doing it for, 
you know, my dad was in the military. Uh, I, I was not, oh, okay, I did not yeah. serve. Uh, my dad, my dad was in the Navy, uh, John Henry Shaw, God rest his soul. But yeah, uh, the military was a big part of my life, even though I was not in it, <laughs> you know, yeah. My, my dad, he had, he had a, a great deal of discipline that he picked up from uh, his time, and he definitely instilled that into me, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, you know? So was he around to see you get your first big gig, or did he see you on stage? Did he get to, to, to see that part <laughs> of your life? You know, yeah. He, you know, my, my dad, he's a traditional guy, so he, he I mean, we're from Florida, so fo- uh, football is king, you know? Um, yeah. And... Yeah, the pressure was on. Like, you know, I came out the womb, like, big. So I was already, like, um, <laughs> was it, uh, labeled, he's a football star, like, boom, from jump. Yeah, yeah. And, but I was, like, an artsy kind of indoors kid. So my dad always pushed me to do, uh, like, more outdoor activities and, like, sports and stuff. And I remember in middle school, I, I was also a fat kid, too. So uh, I, my dad wanted me to play uh, youth football league, uh MCYFL is what they call it, Marion County Football League. And I didn't want to fucking do it. I was like, I would rather, like, you know, continue my artwork and other things. Like, no, you're going. <laughs> um, and, and I was trying to, like, get out of it, man. I was like, man, you know I have asthma. I can't do this. <laughs> uh, so he, he actually, throughout the whole process, because I was a fat kid, remember, and they had a, a, weight, a weight limit for the youth football league. You can't be over, like, 225. And I was probably, like, 230 at the time. And this is at like sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade. Um, So I had the weight cut. Like I was running around in trash bags like for a week, drinking black coffee and like trying to shed the weight for the weigh in so I could play. And he he stuck on my side throughout that whole process to make sure I was eating right and I was going healthy and hydrated in that process. And then the first two weeks of football practice, he was out there on the field with me with my inhaler in his pocket just in case, but like going through the shoots and like, you know, just making sure that you knew he wanted me to believe that I could do it, you know? And I, and I think, um, yeah, that kind of support that he gave me in that moment, like, it, I think it changed my life. Really. It really did change my life. Cause I, I didn't realize that I had the power to like overcome the things that have, you know, that have been, the doctor says you have asthma, so you have to watch your, your cardio. Or something. Yeah, but if you keep working through it, you'll get stronger, you know. And my dad showed me that anything's possible through that, through his support. And then, so I played football for four years. I went to, I went to Vanguard High School, came in freshman year, started varsity. You know, I was like, I was the dude, you know. And I did that up until I I started doing theater. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Like, I I joined the drama club in high school and then um, ended up doing some uh, theater shows at the community theater, Ocala Civic Theater. The first show I did there was uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And, you know, it was a full process. We rehearsed for a month, you know, five nights a week. It was an off season, so I was like just doing weightlifting in the mornings and then going to rehearsal in the evening after school. And I I loved putting it together piece by piece and like then trying to see how much you can remember, you know, and then adding little flourishes and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just having fun, you know? And it was I think that show is the one that like tipped me over. <laughs> yeah, I played football for three years of my high school career and then quit the end of my junior year. 
to uh, do a musical. Was the coach like, what are you doing us? <laughs> oh, so my, my football coach, uh, Philip Yancey, uh, I had man, I had so many weightlifting records on the board in the, in the field house. And he was, yeah. he was livid. He was livid. He must have ripped out every record I set. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, it's all good, you know. That's funny, man. I had, a, I had a similar thing where, not exactly the same, but when I was in high school, all the coaches were like, oh, we're going to put you on this team, and we're gonna, you're going to be a wrestler, and you're going to and, – and, and I was just like, oh, okay. And then I would try it, and then I would just, like, get injured before, like, the game even started, like, just do a stupid <laughs> party, you know. And, like, oh, yeah. I'd, be on cr- I'd be on crutches, and I was like, fuck this. Uh, and I got into theater, and, and mm-hmm. that was it, man. Like, did you get into shape and lose the weight – through the sports or did that take more time? Like how did, how did you get to be the shape you are now? Oh, that's a long journey, man. (laughs) Uh, It it wasn't, it it wasn't through sports. Like, I I mean, I was always stocky and strong, but I never like looked good um, doing it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. So I came out of high school, man. I was probably about like 315 and just like, you know, Muscly, but like still fat. <laughs> Been a fat kid all my life, and you know, over the years, the past like fifteen years since high school, I kept reevaluating my diet and my routine, and picking up little tidbits from trainers, from friends, from the internet, and you know, took me about twelve years to figure it out and make it a routine and and a healthy routine. The 12 years, there's a lot of trial and error, you know, and a lot of up and down in terms of weight and uh, fitness. And I think it's all kind of tied to, like, self-care, self-love and, like, understanding, like, where it comes from, you know, why you eat or why you don't like working out, you know, like, just kind of getting to the root of that psychologically. And that allowed for me to develop a healthy routine now. Um, It's funny because I was 230 in fifth grade and now I'm back to that yeah. again but oh, in wow. a very healthy way and, and, and I'm in control yeah. of it you know I went from yeah. yeah 230 to 315 to 275 250 to 240 now I'm back and I'm here and I'm comfortable you know um yeah. it, it was all worth it the journey but man food food for my family food yeah. is um a way of showing love. Yeah. And, you know, when I don't, when I come home to visit mom, you know, we get, we get the hugs and kisses, but immediately she's like, you want something to eat? You know, <laughs> she's ready to throw down in the kitchen or order something, you know, because that, that's the welcome that we receive. And I don't want to trade that for the world. I love to eat and um, fellowship with my family. But, you know, now I have control over it, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't eat those sweet potato pies every day like I used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Uh, I, I grew up, I grew up with, uh, you know, make sure you clean your plate, you know. Oh yeah, it's disrespectful if you if you um throwing away food, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, I've been struggling with that my whole life, and it's tough, man. And, and it just gets trickier. 
You want to know what your name means? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there was a, a long silence there. So, um, well, no, I was like, okay. you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Virgo, so like my analytical brain's like, what's the source? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I do. Okay. I, and everybody has their own like mini poetry, like their own little haiku of what their yeah. name means. Each, each, each name in their name, and you got three: Michael James Shaw. So, so I think. <laughs> I basically type in, you know, what is the meaning of the name Michael, and then I take yeah. I take what what basically jumps out first at me. So this is this is what jumped out first at me when I typed in Michael. So this is intense, man. Everybody's got like crazy, you know, names. And I don't know if you you probably okay, look, your name at all. I haven't looked into it. I just know my my grandmother named me Michael after the archangel. Okay. Yeah. All right. See? Yeah. Okay, so Michael, uh -huh. who is like God? Okay? Woo! So, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I like this game. <laughs> yeah. The name, the name Michael is of Hebrew origin and means who is like God or gift from God. Don't let it get to your head, mm. man. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is, it's found in the Old Testament. Uh, in the book of Daniel. Okay, so that's Michael. Gift, Amen. gift uh, from gift, gift from God, man. That's that's nice. That's nice. Oh yes, he is. All right, come on. <laughs> All right, what we got? What's James? Let's, let's, let's put it together. Are you doing it right now? Like you did. <laughs> so James, James means lieutenant. Lieutenant or changeling? What? Does that mean anything? Wait. Yeah. Lieutenant? L lieutenant? Like like an army, army lieutenant? Yeah. Or changeling? Uh, so a changeling like, is uh, for, for acting. a demon yeah. who's like half. Oh, I thought it was like a uh, like a demon who can like shapeshift, like a changeling. That's it. Like, a shapeshifter. Yeah. Shape which is like what what we are. Yeah, okay? it's true, true. Huh. Check this out. Shaw is fucking awesome. It means wolf or dweller by the wood. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Your, your name is gift from God, lieutenant changeling wolf dweller by the wood. <laughs> That's a fucking film right there, dog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dweller by the wood. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's like, a, yeah, uh, you should write a, a fucking graphic novel inspired by that. Yeah. Mr. Sherbet. Mr. Sherbet. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about Mr. Sherbet. So the, 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 the armor that I get to wear in uh, the last season of, of TWD, um, it is yeah. a beautiful shade of, of burnt orange or bright orange. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so it's a whole ordeal, you know, like putting on the suit because I couldn't do it by myself. So I had a personal dresser, Dana, um, who is fantastic. He's, he's an ex-military guy. He, he, he fascinated military guards throughout the ages. And 
he has like a massive collection of vintage military gear. So I, 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 I they couldn't have paired me with a better person for this job. So we would have to, we get a warning from JJ that we need you in the suit. And we just started ripping with each other. I don't know when it happened, but I would walk to set and I'd be like, is it time to put on the sherbet? And <laughs> we just kind of took that joke and ran with it because it does look like some like delicious like sherbet ice cream, you know, like you, <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah. take a bite out of out of the armor, you know, especially that butt pad. It's like <laughs> juicy. But no, it, it kind of just spun out and <laughs> the, the suit became Mr. Sherbert. Our, and and you were like, you gave me a hat that said Mr. Sherbet, which is, a, I like that hat. I've been wearing it. Oh, word, word. Are you doing like, Thank you. Are you doing like a, a clothing line now with it, or is that just for, for fun? I think it's just for fun. I, ultimately, I would love to develop my own strain of um, marijuana for Mr. Oh. Sherbert. I think it's just, it's more of a lifestyle, you know? Like, you know. I'm actually doing a similar thing for some of my characters from Moon Lake. And oh, yeah? I, if, if you want. Yeah. If you, I, I know the people to talk to if you're interested. Yeah. I, I'm, um, so, I'm so yeah. down. Like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like, the wave of the future. Yeah, I can give you that information. I'm just getting into it with the company now. It's called THC Design. I have my Moon Lake book, and there's a character called the Marijuana Man in it. It just seemed like a no <laughs> So we're, we're, we're doing the whole thing for uh, San Diego Comic-Con coming up, and we're going to go throw a whole party and events, and we're, we have a strain that's the... Uh, going to be the, you know, marijuana brand ganja. That's fire. That's cool. I, I, okay. Yeah, man. Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get out there to your event, man. Come check you out. Please do, man. It's going to be crazy. Were you, you were at San Diego this, this last go-round? Was that crazy? I was. And nothing can prepare you, you for I, that. Yeah, a bunch of people went to breakfast. I didn't really get to talk to you. I'm sure it was like, you know, you guys were in like Hall H, and it's just like, the fucking last season. I mean, it must have been insane, man. Dude, so I, I, I got to rewind it back just one second. So prior to going to San Diego, I knew I was going for like a month, like a week and a half before. I've been practicing jujitsu. And, you know, I went to Master Cycle one Thursday and I was feeling myself. Like I submitted the instructor for the first time ever. And um, we went to the second wow. row. And yeah, I was still feeling like the man <laughs> and went to the second roll. And within the first like a minute, I rolled over my knee incorrectly and something popped oh. and ended up in the emergency room. Turns out I like tore my meniscus, but, um, my, my ass still went to San Diego on crutches. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> This only happens once in a while, so let's go. Let's go have a good time. So I, I hobbled my way to San Diego, and, like, man, there's, there's nothing that can prepare you for that wave of energy. The fans are there in droves, but they're also there with so much love, and, like, the spirit of San Diego, it got me. I'm sitting in Hall H, like, walking out there and seeing how, how like, deep that ocean of, like, fans were for out there to support us. And I, I was just moved by the whole experience, man. Yeah, it was like, your your leg is fucked, but, you know, 
at least you got to share in this moment, especially with the cast. Like I hadn't seen a lot of people since we wrapped. So it was cool to like hang out and not be in Georgia and like not be thinking about work and just kind of get to vibe and, you know, experience the festival or the convention with, with all of them, you know? Oh, oh. And then they, they, they put icing on the cake, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Hall H like just overwhelmed with emotion and like loving the experience. And then I walk off stage and I turn a corner and there's Denai and Andrew Lincoln and nobody told us they were going to be there. Like I literally oh. like froze. Dude, well, I, I have, I, 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 I get starstruck sometimes, but this was like really bad. Like my, my friend oh. Shayla was like hanging out in the wings and she saw Andy and immediately ran up to him. And I kind of like walked, but my mouth was agape and I could not utter a word. She, he was, uh, Andrew was hugging Shayla and then he saw me over his shoulder. He's like, hi, Michael. And I just kind of like, <laughs> and he came and gave me a hug. And I don't even, I was just, I was like, so like shook that it was him, Rick, that I just kind of, uh, yeah, I, I I didn't say anything. It's, I, I feel like such an idiot for like not <laughs> engaging in that moment. But I, yeah. I, my body just wouldn't allow me. It was just like, <sighs> um, yeah, crazy moment. But I'll always remember that. I I, I don't That's think I've ever so had funny. anyone like sh- shake me like that. You know, like to the point where I can't utter words. Damn, it's wild. <laughs> No. So Mandela effect is like people feel like there was 
a couple of years back, there was like a weird shift or something in the space-time continuum because some people remembered that Nelson Mandela died at a certain time in the 70s, and then other people remember that, no, he was in jail for years, and then he died much later in, like, the 90s. And so people had this, like, crazy discrepancy where they remembered things differently on different timelines, and they called it the Mandela effect. And another thing is, like, like the Berenstain Bears and the Berenstain Bears, people remember it differently. Ah, ah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you get it. So I was... You're talking about like, oh, yeah, we slipped into a parallel universe kind of shit, right? Exactly. We we skipped the, we skipped the line of the record. So I'm fucking... I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my sherbet hat, and someone's just like, I thought sherbet is spelled sherbert, B-E-R-C. And I'm just like, I'm just like, wait a minute. Isn't it spelled Sherbert? And then, like, everybody in my family was just like, it's Sherbert, it's Sherbert. And then I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, my, my whole life, like, and I believe, like, there were menus that it spelled out Sherbert. And, uh, and, and then you look it up, and it's just like, nope, it's Sherbert, it's B-E. And I think there's, like, a thing where it's like, sor- like sorbet uh, and Sherbert. Yeah. It's, it's Sherbert became Sherbet. Like they got mashed together or something. I don't know. Like, have you had this conversation with anybody? It's like, no, it's fucking Sherbet. It's not Sherbert. Uh, I had like the biggest scare. So we had a good friend of mine. He, he, he works with a printing company down in my hometown and we kind of linked together to create this. And I had my niece design the logo and uh, Brianna, she's fantastic. So, there was a moment where we were all checking everything and I got a call from one of the guys at the printing company. He's like, you know, you spelled Sherbert wrong. I was like, what? <laughs> Cause we had checked like several times and then actually Shayla really? um, texted me and she's like, I think Sherbert is spelled wrong after she was like, yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then we all went and double checked and then it was like, Oh wait, we're right. We're right. It's just a general consensus. Like it's always an argument. Is it B E R T or B E T? But B E T is the correct spelling. Sherbet. Oh, thank God. So I'm glad. I'm glad that I was the only one. We had we had like we got Limitless, um, which I love that movie. You were you uh you're in oh, yeah. series. Shot that in New York. Good times. Good times. Con- Constantine and you were Corvus Glaive and uh. In the Avengers movies, the Infinity War, you were one of Thanos' uh, kids, right? Is that the deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, part of the uh, the Black Order. You, you, you had another a, another general. Yeah, you, had, huh? you had a very memorable fight, man. Uh, I mean, those movies are gigantic. But I remember the fight where it's you're there with like uh, Vision and and Scarlet Witch, and then uh, Captain America jumps in and. Oh, um, like the train kitchen. station. Yeah. yeah. That's you. That's you, right? Yeah. Funny thing is, like, I was kind of skeptical about the motion capture. I'd never done it before, and I, I didn't know anyone who had done it. So I, I kind of went yeah. in, you know, just kind of sizing it up. But the technology is uh, fantastic. So we oh, yeah. shot that whole sequence in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And we were there for, like, almost like a month 
shooting that scene and the first encounter with um, Vision and the Scarlet Witch on the street um, at a cafe. And we shot it all on location in the fucking weird gray suits with headpieces and cameras and like, you know, all, all the nine, the dots on the face and everything. But we were on the street in that train station on the fields of Wakanda, like we were actually there, not in the, in the studio, which was like beyond, you know. And it kind of reminded me of like back in school when you, when you do like uh, you know those those animal exercises when you're like pretending to be yeah. a, 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 a lion or a wolf or you know or a cat. And you just kind of take those characteristics and move through them, and the physicality is what tells the story and less of less of the dialogue, what we're so used to. So it was cool. I got to work with, uh, I actually went back to school and did a couple classes with uh, one of the movement guys, this guy, Moni Yakim. Yeah, he's the original Juilliard faculty. And he had a like profound effect on like how I, I learned to tell stories with my body. So I kind of went back to him to get like inspiration for the character. We got to work with Terry Notary, who's like famous for the, uh, the Planet of the Apes, that style of movement. Uh, and he was super helpful in like helping develop Corvus. But no, it, it was like a throwback to like uh, being at Juilliard and rolling around the floor in, in a white room with yeah. windows. They would also call that you, uh, Insane Asylum, but that's... It's, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very similar. Did you uh, did you grow up in New York? Is that is that where you grew up? No, no. I I grew up in uh, Ocala, Florida, Podunk town in the middle of the swamp, central central Florida, like like yeah, in the middle of nowhere out there. <laughs> it was actually a, a beautiful experience growing up there. I, small town life is great, and I appreciate that. But um, at the time, I just wanted to get out, you know. So yeah, I went to high school there and then immediately went to college in D.C. I was like, I'm getting as far away from Florida as possible. I wanted to be in a city because ultimately I wanted to get to New York. So I went to Howard and studied musical theater. And I always spent my summers like, you know, doing things. So I would I would travel abroad. Like I went to Oxford, studied Shakespeare with uh, this program called BADA, British American Dramatic oh, Academy. Yeah. And had, yeah. That was the that was the thing that lit my flame, dude. I went out there and you had like faculty who were like current actors at the RSC. You had faculty members from all the major schools in in the U.S. You had uh, my my modern teacher was a guy from Yale, uh, Peter Francis James, and we worked on Miss Julie and Kelly, my Shakespeare teacher. We she was a current RSC member, and we worked on King Lear. And she kind of like used the class as a way to like teach us how she works because she does uh, these uh, prison productions in, in London, and she kind of like taught her her method of teaching um, Shakespeare to to like felons. And I don't know it's something kind of profound how that language and those stories can touch people of all backgrounds because it's it's so human, you know. But from there, and also in that time. 13 kids were selected out of the main pool of all different levels to do a sonnet workshop, but not just any sonnet workshop. We did a four-week sonnet workshop with John Barton before he passed. Oh, wow. It was epic, man. 
and and from I was, I was I think it was a sophomore at Howard. I came back and I was like, oh, this is this is where I want to go. I got bit by that bug, and I was off to the races trying to pursue classical training. And after Howard, I applied to Juilliard and got in. It's crazy. But when you set your mind to something, you know. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. So now you're you're Mercer, and do 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 you like being on the show? Do you do you like playing Mercer? I love playing that guy. He man, he 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 taught me a lot about uh, who I am as a man. You know, I think I kind of grew up a little more playing him. You know, it's something about holding all your cards close to you that uh, I wasn't really able to master. And he, he's super protective of his knowledge and how he goes about any, any sort of operation. Um, and that takes a lot of confidence being assured in the choices that you're making and knowing exactly what it's going to yield and walking through point A, point B, point C and knowing exactly how things can turn and really observing those nuances. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I picked up a lot of that from him. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a bit of a, a mastermind in that sense, like how he navigates things, but yeah, he's also got a lot of heart, but he buries it. I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> Sorry. Do you also, do you also like to, to chop zombies clean in half with a single stroke? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't too bad neither. You know what I'm saying? That, I mean, the action in the show, like those are my favorite yeah. fucking days. Cause you just got to like live and breathe and like, yeah. Uh, and and the, I love how the show, it doesn't like, um, in general, when you have like a big action sequence, they don't like have a rehearsal. It's like, you show up, you fucking learn the thing, you fucking do it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm ready. I, I got my workout at 3.30 in this morning. I'm ready. I'm ripping to go. So what we got, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was crazy, yeah. man. I was going to the gym at, like, 3.30 and going to call at, like, wow. 5 a.m. Just, like, going ham. Then going to jiu-jitsu after, after we finished. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and waking up and, and doing it all over again. Uh, fucking machine. Wow. A monster. So, was there a favorite action sequence or something that you did? Ooh. So, episode 12, like, there's a little altercation um, uh, at the hilltop. Yeah. Our heroes are taking care of the work as best they can, but it's more than they can handle. And I just, I, yeah, I kind of, I, I stroll in in slow motion and just, like, rip, rip some walkers to shred. One of them tries to come at me <laughs> the wrong way, so I... I I slip him over my back and then lay the act into his head. Yeah, it's fun. It was every, every, I love, I love doing every take. Like I, I didn't have a stunt double over it. Uh, majority of the show. And when yeah. I did, I wouldn't let him do anything. <laughs> I yeah. felt bad, but I was just having such a good time, you know, like, especially episode 17 when we're like in the Jeep, man. So I wanted to keep that Jeep in 17 because it was so much fun whipping that thing around, you know, and it, oh, yeah. just to experience the 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 take, you know, like the moment, and like just really like 
enjoying and getting comfortable like this this car is mine i just love driving it every fucking take man even if you know it's a couple times where i wasn't even in the shot you know, just, i didn't care i was like oh, i got you i'll reset let's go you know I, that was uh, what else am i gonna do i'm sitting in my uh, my chair and like watch the stud though have fun no <laughs> i want to do it i want to play you know that's awesome man so they let you keep the deep or what what did they what happened? Nah, nah. nah. We gotta talk to Michael Purvis about that. Yeah, somebody call Michael Purvis and tell him to give me that Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to keep anything? You get to keep the outfit, the Sherman outfit. They should Dude. keep that to go go around, like to like hospitals to talk to kids and shit. That'd be cool. That'd be sweet, actually. Oh, yeah. But no, AMC got that on lock. You know, and also, yeah. you look at that costume, man. What could I possibly stick in there to take away? Oh, actually, no. I mean, I take off the armor on set, and he locks it away. So I go back to my trailer in, like, skin-tight, like, you know, pants and a um, rash guard. What what I'm going to stick in, in that? Like, I can't hide <laughs> anything in there. Man, Can I y'all need to call me? AFC. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. I stole my jacket. I stole, I stole my costume jacket from last Tuesday. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell Vera. Oh. <laughs> That's what's up. Okay. If they yeah, if they yeah of course. Down, you know. If they hunt me down, if they hunt me down, I'm just like, yeah, here, take it back. I don't give a fuck. But uh, I, I, I have it because it's going to be fun to wear at Comic-Cons or something. I mean, the show's over, you know? It's like, wait, oh, I guess you what you think. I don't, I don't think my jacket's the museum piece. I don't, I don't think they got enough shit for me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, I would love, okay, if, if I were to get anything from the show, I would love yeah. the real axes. The real axes. Um, yeah. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. I remember the first day... So Kelly, who's the head of props over at in Sonoya, he's like, "Oh, can you come by after your COVID test and check check out this uh, uh, check out these axes?" So I went to the the, the prop shop, and yeah, he pulls them out and he hands he hands one to me, and literally my hand dropped because I didn't realize how heavy they were. Like, right? They're fucking like at least like ten ten pounds, fifteen pounds each. Like heavy axes, man. Right. But yeah. Ain't, ain't nothing like the real thing. I only got to use the real thing a few times during the show. Like, there's one moment in episode 11 of Michael Cutler's directed where there's, like, that close-up shot of the, the axe going through the walker's head and the head splitting to reveal my bloody ass standing behind him, pissed, as usual. But, yeah, um, yeah, I would love the axes. AMC, if you're listening, you know, hook <laughs> a brother up. <laughs> Well, that's what's cool, man. What's so cool is that that's like that's a cover. When you chop through that zombie's head, that that's a classic cover from the comic book. And as a comic book fan, just seeing that on the show being executed in, in the way that it did, it was just like, like that's why you watch the show, you know? Hell yeah, um, man. That's why you sac- you sacrifice yeah. for the show, man. You know that that day was that day was a special day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that was my first time being that. bloody on the show, and they—they, they, oh. I remember there was a note from from Michael uh, 
publicly saying I, I want him to look like Carrie on prom night. And so we went ham. I had guts in my, my hair, guts in my beard, blood just like running down my face. And I was loving it. It was like, I just felt, I felt alive, you know, and until my vision started to get blurry. So we shot that whole sequence with Michael uh, with the head splitting. And then we moved on to the scene with Connie and Kelly when I'm coming from the, the scene of the, the killing and being interviewed. And we did the first round. Then we kind of turned around on it. And midway through turnaround, I'm looking at, at, uh, at Angel. And I'm like, yo, yo, I, I can't even see you right now. Oh, <laughs> the blood has started to like dripping. Yeah. It started dripping into my eyes, but I think there was, you know, some soap element and uh, maybe some sweat oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. all mixing in there. So by the end of that that whole sequence, literally my eyes had like swollen shut. Like oh, they put huh. me on a gator, sent me back to base camp, and by the time I got to base camp, I I couldn't even like see the ground. I had to like hold on to Landon's shoulder to walk me to my trailer. Um, wow. Needless to say, I went to the ER that night, and, yeah, I had a chemical eye burn and um, some scratches on my cornea. Fucking crazy. Crazy. But we got the shot. That's all that matters. <laughs> Holy fuck. You know, it was, yeah, yeah. It was crazy, crazy. That was, that, was, that was a wild shoot, that one. <laughs> Yeah, man. And I, I really enjoy. I, I really enjoy working with Cutlet, man. There's a scene in that episode where I'm checking in on Tyler, the soldier who has been apprehended from the the Commonwealth Gala, and I come back and the motherfucker's gone. Clear, they cleared the room out, and I had this conversation with the nurse asking where she is, and yeah. Cutlet's like to egg you egg you on a little bit, you know, a little bit of like uh, feels like he's, he's he's a coach, you know, like. And yeah, I don't know. It was one take. He said, so, I forget what he said to me, but uh, she gave me the wrong answer. So I hold off and punched the wall, and they ended up using that fucking take. I, I punched a hole in the fucking drywall, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just walked off. Fucking, yeah, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed working with Michael. Some of my favorite episodes with Michael, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did two or three episodes with him, and those were always the blast. There were always like great action sequences, and um, yeah, I love working with him. Man. He's a good director. Yeah, solid. So this is gonna come out around the finale. So look out for it, then, man. I think it's uh, <laughs> this is gonna be the first part, and then there's gonna be a second part where I'm bringing Cooper on and some other people, and we're just gonna talk about stuff. I uh, this is delightful. I I. And you're welcome, you know, any fucking time. I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking, I'm already thinking of stuff that I want to put you in. What are you, what are you doing after this? What do you, what, what you got? Anything lined up after uh, all this craziness? I, I, well, after all this craziness, I, I've been um, in the past like five years. I've been taking a lot of classes. I, I'm a musician at, at heart. Like that was my. Um, that's my go-to um, singing, but also I, I write and compose. So I've been working on an album, and I think I'm going to take a good month and put the finishing touches on the work I've been doing over the past like couple years, and, and drop a 
an EP before the end of the year. Amazing. What's his style, man? What are, what are you what are you doing? It's funky. I say it's like futuristic R and B and hip hop. Futuristic R and B and hip hop. Yeah. What makes it futuristic? <laughs> well, I, well, my thing is, I like to sample. I like to manipulate sounds. So you, it may be a guitar played into my Apollo, but when it comes out, it, it has something, uh, an edge to it, and a sensibility that is out of this world. Send me your art and me your music. I will, brother. I will. <laughs> <laughs> child she was very aware of and because of how uncomfortable it made her she kind of shut herself off to it as an adult and she i think she passed that that information on to me my my brother and my sister my sisters and there's just an awareness at times of peril or at times of doubt my ancestors but also my mentors who have passed they make appearances or they show up in support you know, in dreams uh, or, or, <laughs> or in, in person, in real life, in real life. Like, wow. So you've seen ghosts like approach you, uh, in times of trouble. Yeah, it, don't, don't make it sound like cheesy sci-fi. It's not like that. It's not like, it's more like the, their, their spiritual presence is in the room. Okay. So you don't see an apparition, but you feel, you feel that. No, no. Yeah, okay. you know right away who it is. Yeah, okay. No, I got you. I, I've been... But, yeah. yeah, it's nothing... It's, it's something... You, you, I don't think our eyes can pick up on that. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling. And that's hard to, like, yeah. define. Or define or uh, really kind of explore or investigate. You know, it's a feeling. So... Yeah. Uh, but I, I know that, you know, there was a mentor I had in undergrad, Reggie Ray, a phenomenal human being and... and taught me what it means to be a black man in America and his energy and his presence. I've felt it throughout the past six years after he passed and he's still ever present in my life. Um, at moments when I need to make a choice, cause he was all about making the, the, the best choice for you. And I, yeah, I, I feel him all the time. Yeah. I've, I have felt the presence all of my relatives, all of that past at one time or another, when I've thought of them, I smelled perfume or I smelled something that they cook or um, oh, wow. I would ask, I'd ask for a sign and it would be so obvious that it was them, you know, like, um, like a, like a uh, necklace of theirs, like a necklace yeah, yeah. of theirs with somebody be in my view or, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Um, you have guardian angels, man. It's, it's, it's a real phenomenon. I'll, 
say this and then we'll wrap it up. But I, I had a, one time uh-huh. my um, my grandmother died. She was the most recent relative that I had that that died. Uh, well, no, I, I had another one, but uh, no thanks, man. But no, this was this was several years back, and I was okay. maybe I was almost almost thirty or something, and she passed and. I wasn't I wasn't really around when she passed and and I was sitting there in my apartment and I was just like fuck I wish I had more of a like a connection with her when she was you know dying and mm-hmm. just as just as I'm thinking about that this moth comes mm-hmm. into like like lands perfectly where I'm looking on the wall and the moth looks like a fucking, um, like a Ouija arrow, if you look at it, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know the arrow that you have? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, in my uh-huh. own, just, in, just in my own head, I was just like, wow, is this, is this my, is this my grandmother, like, <laughs> like, communicating to me through this moth? I was just, like, convinced of it, because it just landed right there. So, I went up to the moth. And I stood it at a distance, but I, and I just started like asking it yes or no questions. <laughs> my grandmother, you know, are you my grandmother? You know, were you comfortable when you died? Like, where are you now? And and it would go up and down. It it it, it would it would. And I've never seen a moth do this before or after. Like moths are moths. This fucking thing was like responding to my telepathy. Like it fucking. It was on the wall, and it would and it would answer yes by pointing up, and then it would answer it would in a, it would just turn and point down when when it answered no, and then when I was mm. just like okay, I, when I was like oh my god, just convinced that this was a some kind of strange communication with my with my <laughs> grandmother, um, I I said goodbye and and. As soon as I was done talking to it, it flew away. It flew away. In the exact hmm. now, you can you can say whatever the fuck you want about that, but I, you know, I do research and and whatever you think about, it, like in Native American, uh, you know, certain uh, folklore that moths are the messenger. There's certain creatures like crows and oh, the like the mediums, are, yeah. Yeah, they're messengers. They and they can bring messages from the other side. So it's crazy. Like that's why moths are attracted to light, and it's like all this this whole fucking mythology. And, and huh. you know, it, it, whatever you think about this stuff, like it's I I really I more and more as I get older, I get I just get less less skeptical, and anything is possible. And and I've just had way too many. I've had way too many um, experiences where I was just like, there's, there's more to this reality than we realize. Yeah. It's, it's, it's trippy. um, How the messages sometimes come, like you're actually speaking with an insect. Like that's insane. No, I'm not saying it's your thing, but I, I sometimes get messages, um, like through music. Okay. So 2020, I was like riding in an Uber to go to the grocery store and 
there's a song playing on the radio. I never heard it before, but it had this vibe. So I asked the, the driver if he knew what it was. He's like, oh, it's just a playlist. Da, da, da. So I shazammed it. And it was um, Tom Meesh, uh, Beautiful Escape. And I just, I got fascinated with his music. I, I ended yeah. up like buying like, like four of his records on vinyl. And that song, it would just be playing in the most random times in my life or moments where I guess the universe wanted me to pay attention. Like it happened today, actually, this is weird. Um, I'm looking for a place out here and I, I was driving up to this, this uh, house to check it out. And I parked the car and before I shut off the engine, the intro started, like, it was, I was on shuffle or whatever. The intro started. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I haven't, like, gotten used to it yet, so I got a little emotionally overwhelmed. I was like, oh, wow. Because I, I, I felt good vibes riding up to the house, but then it was, like, an affirmation that, okay, this is yeah. the right place in the universe for you right now. Um, so I, I, I get messages through the radio. They're going to come lock me up, dog. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, this is fucking... It's mainstream science that we're... That, this is like mainstream science that people think that we're in a simulation. So what you're talking about is right along the same fucking frequency as, as that equation. Mm. Like... Frequency, like it, it, it would yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you're on the right frequency, The Alchemist is, is about this, the book The Alchemist. If you're on the right frequency and you're on the right path, the universe sends you fucking signals, all synchronicities, you know, 11-11 on the clock, fucking, you know, a bird flying in your view at the right fucking moment. But it's, it's you know, the weather changing. Like, there's, there's all sorts of different natural and, um, and technological signs and literal signs like road signs that, and, and there are times when you're just like, it, you know, there are times when I've been um, desperate for an answer, just like, please give me an answer. And the fucking universe, if it, if it likes your vibe, we'll, we'll spell it the fuck out for you in like ads on the side of the buses and like, fucking, like we'll spell the words out for you. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I've, I've had that happen. And, and some people, they're being sent a signal and they just can't see it. They're not, they're, they're blind to it. Um, but if you're, if your eyes are open and your ears are open, you can really get a lot of messages and a lot of clues how to, how to succeed in this world. Amen. Amen. Um, speaking on frequency, are you, uh, a stone carrier or like crystal hoarder? I am, but yeah. are you? Yeah, there are certain. Yeah, I, I'll I'll kind of cycle through stuff and then I'll lose things and uh, my daughters will see. They travel. They, they, they like to travel. These stones, man. They they will yeah. like hitch a ride and like come into your view and then disappear and be found like a year later. Um, yeah. 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 I just picked up, uh, I was last week and I, I was in a, a shop and I saw this, it was an obelisk, but I've never seen an obelisk made of pyrite before, fool's gold. 
Oh, and it was just kind of like beaming, beaming at me, like take me, take me home. So I have it, and yeah, I've been carrying that around with me. Um, I forget what it's for though. Let me. Yeah, I, I cycle through a bunch of different stones and like I got a I got a crystal that we moved into this house in the UK and there was like this funky looking crystal that I uh, just wear around my neck every once in a while. It makes me feel cool. I, it's like uh, like I, I learned this. Uh, oh wow. This tradition, this tradition where you like put the crystal in the sun or in the yeah, you charge them, yeah, charge them. You charge yeah. them, and then you you can put it under your pillow at night, and you have crazy dreams. That, that shit happens to me. Oh and, yeah. Um, or if you want some kind of insight, yeah, man. You know, I used to be so skeptical, so, but then like, I, but then like all of these like crazy miracles that started happening. So. You have to believe it. Dude, okay. This is another, like, weird kind of coincidence. I, so I told you, I, I walked in the store, and the Purite was, like, yelling at me, by me. So I, I, I don't really get into, like, oh, I just kind of go with the feeling of it, but I just looked up what Purite is used for. It's a powerful protective stone that creates a shield against negative energy. Purite has a connection wow. to the solar plexus chakra. And it, yeah. the chakras are like the strong, strong energy center of the body, and it's used to increase strength, energy, willpower, and confidence. Nice. If that's not yeah, like uh, the universe saying, take take the take yeah. this route, you know, that's a big part of it. Yeah. So I, I I tend to to listen when it says jump, you know, even if I'm yeah. doubtful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, follow your gut, you know, like follow your heart. People forget that those are our brains as well. I, I, I used to, what I have, I had this thing that was like obsidian. I used to have obsidian and tourmaline and all these different. Oh, tourmaline, yeah. 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 That, that one, tourmaline, like, suck, it sucks away negative energy. It just takes it all in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, yes. Yeah, dude. I, I'm so happy, happy that you invited me on the show, man. It's an honor to fucking yeah. chat with you. It's an honor to like fucking know you, dude. You're you're fucking amazing. Like I, I geeked out when I first met you as well. <laughs> Cause yeah, yeah, people don't know I'm a big Harry Potter nerd. Uh like love love going to Harry Potter, uh the Wizarding World in Orlando. Like that's my shit. And yeah, I love all your work in Fantastic Beast, man. You in that pot in that train, you in that fucking frying pan <laughs> yeah you know what i heard recently i heard that um they're gonna do something i think in the universal parks they're gonna do a whole fantastic beast area and they're gonna have a bake they can do the bakery and everything man i'm fucking excited I, I, oh yeah it's gonna be lit it's yeah. gonna be lit yeah. <laughs> i know i know oh man uh well, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. Your your joy, and uh, I'm I'm gonna figure out if there's plenty of things percolating. I'm gonna figure out some stuff uh, to to get you involved in. Um, there's definitely a crazy project. Some of the uh, the folks are doing come February. I'll let you know. Um, yeah. All right. And, uh, 
And uh, that's it, man. Break legs with everything. I, I'd i love to see you on stage at some point, man. I, I think that'd be a, so cool. Um, and uh, just keep up the keep up the excellent work. Um, yes, sir. Uh, you, and you as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. Party your brains out for me at the at the finale party, man. I wish I could beat it. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, yeah, I'll get I'll get to see you soon, no matter what. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll definitely uh, have a shot for you in your honor. Nice. All right, man. All right. All right, brother. Thank you, brother. Be well. Peace.